Thank you for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and resources, visit hopeboon.com. church, are we not? Blessed with the most attractive announced lady of all time. (laughs) Rian can't stand it when I do that, but it's okay. I want to encourage you in your giving this morning. Um, The Bible, I was actually going to preach, begin a series this morning on generosity and on our finances, and I, I have had a great plan to uh, to start a series called Hashtag Blessed this morning, um, and uh, we'll 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 try that again next week. But I woke up this morning uh, with a, a bit of a schedule change, um, so I want to I want to encourage you to give this morning. Um, most of us that have been to church for any length of time know why we give and why it's important to give. Uh, if you do have questions about that, come back next week because I'm going to start a series about that next week. Um, but if you are giving and you want to give, if you're a member of this church and you need to tithe or, or, or give, uh, you can do so at the black box at the back in the Hope Hub that Brianne mentioned. Um, you can also give online at hopeboon.com. We do believe in tithing and giving and, uh, and being generous in this church. And so uh, if you are here for the first time, uh, we do want to welcome you. Thank you for being with us today. It's a real treat to have you be a part of our family this morning. Um, but I'll tell you what, God is good. Amen. Um, how many of you sense the presence of the Lord today? Could you just say, yeah, I sense the presence of the Lord today. God's presence is so significant and so substantial. In fact, God's presence is the thing that differentiates church from everything else in the world. Uh, I want you to consider that reality this morning, that the presence of God is the thing that distinguishes us as a church from literally everything else in the world. I was at a football game yesterday uh, to cheer for Ab State, and um, boy, there uh, there was a lot of volume. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of noise. There was a lot of hoopla, uh, if you're older. Uh, there, there was a lot of hoopla going on. Uh, there was no presence of the Lord in any of it. Um, and it's not that that was bad. It's just that the presence of the Lord is the thing that makes the church the church. Uh, Moses said when he was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt and leading them towards the promised land, he said to God, I'm not going to go if your presence doesn't go with us, if your presence doesn't go before us. And uh, I'm here to tell you this morning that the presence of the Lord is what makes your life glow. It's what makes your life unique. It's what, it's what makes the church the church. We can have a billion great messages. We can a trillion great ideas. We can have a billion great sermons and books and resources and devotional materials and programs and systems, and we can have all of the great things that we appreciate about the church, but it's the presence of God 
It's the fact that he would be willing to be present with us that makes it completely different from literally everything else in this world. Amen? I want to I look at a verse, actually. Psalm 16, 11, since we're talking about the presence of the Lord for just a moment. Psalms chapter 16, verse 11. Actually, go to verse 10. And while you're looking at verse 10, we'll start in verse 9. Okay. says, therefore, my heart is glad. There used to be a, uh, used to be a commercial that said, don't get mad, get glad. You remember that? Glad. I think it was paper towels. And it was, don't get mad that you spilled something. Get glad and you can clean it up. Uh, therefore, my heart is glad. Don't get mad. Get glad. When situations get ugly, when ch- times get trying, when you don't know what to do, don't get mad, get Glad. How do I get glad, Pastor Josh? Well, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh will also rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol. Now let's talk about that for just a moment. The, the word Sheol is an old Hebrew word that, we, that later on in the, in the scripture translates as hell. And I don't believe that this is talking about the eternal condition of hell that people face after they die if they don't know Jesus. I believe this is talking about hell on earth. It says, you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. I believe that when you're going through hell, God's not going to leave you there. Amen. Now I know this is this passage for the Bible nerds in the crowd, this passage is messianic, okay? So it's, it, it, it's talking about Jesus and the fact that he was going to go to hell for our sins. But I think that there's some application for us here in our lives. You won't leave me in the condition you found me in. When you're going through hell, I heard one preacher say this, when you're going through hell, don't stop. Amen. Keep going. <laughs> don't give up. But why can we rejoice? Why can we be glad? Because God's not going to leave us in hell, man. God's not going to leave you in the condition that he found you in. He's not going to leave you in the pit that you found yourself in this morning. Verse 11, he says, you will show me the path of life. And in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You see, the church, one of the things that differentiates us from the world, from every other thing in the world, is that we actually are a place where God himself comes and makes himself known by his presence. We say, well, Pastor Josh, isn't God everywhere? Isn't he present everywhere? Well, yeah, the Bible tells us that. He's omnipresent, right? That means he's everywhere all the time to the same degree. He's no more here than he is in your living room or in the drive-through at McDonald's or in uh, Brazil or in southern China. He's no, he's, he's no more there than he is here, and he's no more here than he is there. He's equally and permanently omnipresent, but there's something that happens when he makes his presence known to us. 
when he lets us know that he is here. That's a whole different thing altogether. See, God, God was present in this building before you and I got here this morning. He'll be here after we leave. But there's something that happens when you and I come into his presence with expectation, with joy, with excitement, with faith and hope and expectancy that he's going to meet us right where we are, that all of a sudden he becomes, we become aware of the fact that he is here. The Bible says, the Bible calls it manifestation. He manifests his presence here. And, and I'm just here to tell you, you just don't get that everywhere. Amen. You just don't get that everywhere. It's what makes church special. It's his presence. Amen. And here's the good news. We don't need a song for it. We don't need a certain a certain arrangement of things to make his presence come alive. No, there's just one thing that makes his presence available and makes it manifest, and that's when we put faith in him, when we come hungry. Our hunger provokes God to manifest his presence and his glory amongst us. Isn't that awesome this morning? Amen. Well, that's not my message. Uh, so that was free. Okay. It's all free. Um, I did, as I said, I, I wanted to talk to you about a new series this morning. I wanted to talk uh, about our finances and talk about money uh, in church, which I know is like taboo, but I don't care. Um, this is a season of time, and you, you can fade the music out, fellas. Thank you, guys. Um, this is a, a time of year where where people are thinking about generosity. There's a couple times a year when people are thinking about money. It's at the turn of the year, it's around tax time, and it's usually around this time as we get ready to go into the holidays. So this is, <coughs> excuse me, in America anyways, this is like the generosity season. This is when you see all, you know, uh, people, you know, raising money and, and uh, all that kind of stuff. So I thought this is a really good time for us to talk about our stewardship of our resources. And it's a good time for us to learn and just look at what the Bible says. Um, and, uh, and I had prepared to do that this morning, but we're not going to. So come back next week. Come back next week for that. I, listen, I would rather wrestle with God and preach to you what's on his mind than go take the easy route and preach to you what's on my mind. Um, my hope and my desire is that we be provoked by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God this morning. Um, and even as I was sitting last night in bed with, with my wife, we were sitting, and I was typing on my computer and uh, listening to some stuff, and I thought, oh, this is going to be a good series, you know. I was going over my notes, and I got up this morning, and I looked at my notes, and as soon as I looked at them, I was like, ugh. <laughs> Kid you not, it was gross. I was like, ugh. Ugh. I was like, well, guess what? I'm not preaching this morning. Uh, maybe next week. I want you to go to John chapter 1. I asked the Lord all the way over here this morning, what am I going to preach about this morning, Lord? What do you want people to, to hear? What should I talk about? He said, why don't you just talk about my word? I said, okay. I can do that until the cows come home. John chapter 1. 
There's actually two passages that I want us to dig into this morning. The first one is John chapter 1, and the second one comes from Hebrews chapter 4. I think that this will pick up just a little bit off of what I talked about last week. How many of you were here last week and you saw this little demonstration of Logos and Rhema that we talked about, pouring of the water? Uh, we made quite a mess. It was wonderful. Um, John chapter 1. Thank you, Father, for your word. I heard the story one time uh, of a preacher who had a vision of Jesus. Uh, there was a preacher who had a vision of Jesus. You say, well, that's not biblical. Yes, it is. Read your Bible. People had all kinds of visions of Jesus. Um, but this preacher had a, had a vision of Jesus, and he was in a church service and was interrupted in this church service as he saw this picture of Jesus or this image of Jesus. And Jesus... In, in his vision was actually talking to him and communicating to him while the guy on stage was preaching. This is a very interesting thing. So it, you have to imagine yourself, put yourself in this story for a, minute, for, a self, uh, for a moment. Dan, imagine that you're just here listening to me preach and all of a sudden you see a vision of Jesus and he's just a couple chairs away from you and he starts talking to you about your life and, about, and all these things. And in the vision, this is what was communicated by the preacher. I thought this was interesting. Every time the person who was preaching would quote a scripture, Jesus in the vision would stop and look at the preacher and listen to the word as it was spoken. Every time the word was being quoted by this preacher, Jesus would stop in the vision and give attention to the word. I think it's pretty interesting. I'm not preaching doctrine to you right this moment, but I do think it's pretty interesting that even Jesus would honor the word. I think that we have um, sometimes in our society that is bent and focused on content, we lose a little respect for the word. I'm just preaching to you off the top of my heart this morning, so... If you're going to get mad, we can talk about it later, and I'll try to do my best to explain. But if anything offends you that I say today, just come talk to me later. We'll sort it out. But I think sometimes we lose respect and reverence for the word of the living God. Amen. I think that it's important for us to not become a people of content but to be a people of the word. There's, there's, a gazillion, um, there's a gazillion influencers out there pumping out content every day. There's, there's tons of preachers out there, and God bless them, they're not doing anything wrong. But, but one of the things that can happen, one of the, the subsequent things that can happen, girls, if you guys could stop whispering to each other, thank you. One of the things that happens is that we get so accustomed to receiving content that we forget the value of the word that God gave us that we have access to all the time. I told you this last week when I talked about Logos and Rhema, that the Logos, the word of God, is literally the sum total of God's thoughts. It's the sum total of his desires. It's, it's like everything that God ever imagined up, he put it in this word and gave us access to it. Hallelujah. So let's look at John chapter one. I just want us to be people who 
desire and are excited about God's word. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Boy, that's a good start right there. Amen. If you want to start to appreciate your Bible more, get that verse inside your heart. Amen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Man, if I, if I, get the, if I can start to understand the, the unity that God himself possesses with his own Word, the fact that God and his Word are forever and eternally interchanged, and that there's no separating him from his word, it will cause me to appreciate this Bible in ways that I've never appreciated it before. Amen. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Verse 4 is where I wanted to get to and spend a few minutes with you this morning. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. How many of you have read that scripture before? In him was life, and I'm not talking about just right now. You're like, yeah, I just read that just a second ago. Duh, Pastor Josh. No, in him was life, and the life was the light of of men. Now, let's just take a moment to think about what that scripture means. It says, in him was life. Well, who's the him? Let's back up a few verses. I'm going to give you a, a, a little picture of how I study the word. What I'm doing with you right now is how I analyze the word when I read it. So it says, in him was life. Okay, well, who was the him? Well, it, it says a few verses ago that the the word was in the beginning with God. The word was God. And then it assigns a pronoun to the word. And it says he. He was in the beginning. All things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life. So the him that it's talking about is the word of God. You see that? Right? That's pretty simple to understand. In him, or we could say in the word, was life. And the life was the light of men. Now, you can't see this from reading it in the English, but the word life here is the Greek word zoe. And it means the quality and quantity of life that God himself is experiencing all the time. So, think about this. In the word was life. What kind of life? The kind, quantity, and quality of life that God himself is perpetually experiencing. How many of you would love to live life on God's level? It's real easy. Appreciate this Bible. Appreciate the word of God because in the word we find the life, the quality, the quantity of life that God himself is, is experiencing all the time. Do you know God's life never diminishes? It never goes up. It never goes down. It's, it, it can't be measured. It's beyond capacity to measure. In the word of God is the very life 
of God, the life that God intends for you and I to live and experience in perpetuity. I believe this message is for somebody this morning. I believe that somebody here, maybe, maybe you're in the room, maybe you're watching us online. I believe somebody needs to know that the word of God is the key to the life that you, believe, that you are believing God for. Oh man, if we, could just, if we could just understand this and appreciate it on a little deeper level, we, we, just, we go everywhere looking for the keys and the answers and the solutions to life and then somewhere down the line we, we might read a scripture. Oh man, I just need, I just need a, some wisdom for my business. Okay, go here. Oh, I just need, my marriage just needs some help. I don't seem to be on the same wavelength as my spouse. Okay, y'all go here. Oh man, my kids are just wiling out. I just wish I could get a hold of what my kids are doing. I can't seem to sort this out. Okay, go here. Man, I'm just, I, I've got relationship problems within my family. My siblings and I don't get along anymore and I, I can't figure out why. Okay, go here. In here is life. In here is what your heart is actually really longing for. All of God's thoughts, all of his wisdom, all of what he desires for your life. So many times people are like, boy, I just, people are just like, boy, I just wish I could hear from God. You can. It's so easy. Let me show you how to hear from God. You want me to show you how to hear from God? Let me show you exactly how to hear from God. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. God just spoke to me. Did you see, did you see God just speak to me? Did you watch? Okay, hold on, let me do it again. Ready? I'm going to make it real basic. Let me show you exactly how to hear from God. Therefore, the law is powerless and justice never goes forth for the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, perverse judgment proceeds. Look among the nations and watch and be utterly astounded. God just spoke to me from Habakkuk chapter one. <laughs> now we laugh, but am I wrong? You can hear from God every single day. The first place God speaks is from these beautiful pages. The literal first place God speaks is from his word. He said in his word is life. Now watch this. That life is what becomes the light of men. Put, put that verse back up on the screen if you would. Uh, from John chapter one, verse four there. In the word in him was life and the life was what? The light of men. What does light refer to in Scripture, particularly in the New Testament? Life means understanding, revelation. How many of you have ever tried to go uh, in a dark room and try to get something done? It's really tough. I went out last night uh, after we got home from the football game, and and uh, <laughs> one of my one of my children, I think it was Abigail, Abs, was it you that told me? She goes, Dad, your trunk's open. I think it was you last night. No, was it, was it Claire? Okay. Uh, oh, sure. 
Ah, she said I was the one who left it open. Okay. <laughs> I knew you were involved somehow, kiddo. I love you. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so, so Claire was, said, Dad, your trunk's open. And it, there was a door open, too, incidentally, which Sophia was responsible for that. But, but I went out, and it was dark by our house. And, and I was like, I can't see anything. And I was reaching for my phone, and I didn't have it. And so I went back in the house uh, and got a big flashlight, which I then was later searching the, the forest for deer uh, from my back porch, something I like to do. Uh, anyways... It's so much easier to get where you're going when you have some light. It's so much, as a matter of fact, I say it this way, it's so much more difficult to get where you're going when you don't have light. How many of us and how frequently do we just simply stumble through life just because we cannot see what we need to see because we have no light? It's interesting to me that this verse says, in the word, and we also know that's referring to the person of Jesus, but it's, it's both and, okay? In the word is life, and that life that comes out of this word is what actually causes us to see. How much ought we to value the word of the living God. How much ought the word to be the first place we stop, the first place we go, rather than the last? Oh, well, brother, we've tried everything. Might as well look up and see what the Bible says about it. Uh, Uncle Phil, who you met several uh, last, last month uh, at our 10-year anniversary, uh, he, he was our Bible school dean, and, and he, he has a saying that makes me laugh all the time. Pe- people, we talk about people arguing different doctrinal points, and he always used to say this. He would say, well, let's not cloud the issue by bringing Scripture into it. <laughs> let's not cloud the issue by bringing the Word into it now, brother. But you know what? That's how a lot of people live. I mean, we joke about it, but it's really, that's how a lot of people live. Well, let's not, let's not complicate the matter by bringing the word into it. No, we ought to bring the word into it first. Oh, you got a problem in your marriage? You got to bring the word into it first. You got a problem on your job? Bring the word into it first. You don't know what, you got, you got six options in front of you. Option A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I. You got all these options in front of you. Which one's the right option? They all seem good. Bring the word into it. And that word, which is the life of God, becomes light to you. I'm here to propose to you that you can read a scripture that has nothing to do with your circumstance. And out of it, God is capable, because of how powerful his word is, to show you the answer that you need in something that feels totally separate. I'm telling you, I've had this happen to me in my life. Wondering what direction to go, wondering which way to go. And maybe I've prayed about it and don't seem to have an answer. Anybody ever prayed about something and you just don't seem to have an answer? And then I'll be reading the word in my devotional time, in some area in the Psalms or Proverbs, something that feels completely disconnected to the thing that I need help with. And boom, all of a sudden, God speaks out of his word and shows me exactly what to do. In the word is life, and that life becomes the light of men. Now, I'm here to tell you, God will never stop speaking to you. God will never stop speaking to you. 
You say, well, Pastor Josh, I go through my day and I don't ever hear God speaking to me. I'm here to tell you God's, God's always speaking right here. Always. I mean, I demonstrated it for you twice. Do I need to do it a third time? You can literally open to any page and God is speaking to you right now. Listen to what he says in Isaiah 62. Don't turn there, just listen. Isaiah 62 says, For Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as the brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burns. Where it says there, for Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace. A, 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 a more modern translation of that would say, for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. God never is silent. He is never silent. We are often looking for answers in places he's not talking. But if I will train my heart to come back here, I will find God is never silent. He's always speaking. Amen. All right, one more verse. This was the other verse I wanted to get to today. Hebrews chapter 4. You can turn over there. You doing okay this morning? I think that it's just really cool that God loves us enough to talk to us this morning, don't you? Hebrews chapter 4. If you're wondering, I'm not nervous. You say, Pastor Josh, you don't have any notes. I don't need them, man. It's the Holy Spirit. He's the one talking. Now, that doesn't mean that when I do have notes, God's not talking. So just don't go there in your mind. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hebrews chapter 4. We're talking about the word of God today. Do you appreciate God's word? Are you glad that God speaks to you this morning? I am. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11 is where we'll start. Verse 12 is where we want to get to. It says, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Just to give you a little, a little uh, background, if you will, a little context. In this passage, he's talking about rest. And he's talking about how the children, how God had prepared for the children of Israel a, a restful place called the promised land. And how many in the children of Israel, because of their disobedience, because of their unwillingness to believe, they actually missed out on the rest that God had planned for them in the promised land because they were hard of heart and they wouldn't believe. And so what the writer of Hebrews is doing is saying, hey, listen, in seeing their example of how they missed it, let's not be like them. Let's not fail uh, 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 to enter into the rest. Let's be diligent. Let's press in to the word of God so that we can experience the rest of faith that God has promised for us. I don't know about you. I would much rather spend my life at rest than, than striving. Amen. How many of you would just, you'd be just like, yeah, pastor, I just want to strain all the way through life. I just want life to be a miserable slog. No, of course not. What, what would it look like if your life was so attentive to the voice and the word of God that you actually were able to be at rest when you had to make tough decisions? 
that you're actually able to be at peace and at rest when things got out of sorts in your life. When you, when you started to face a major challenge and rather than fall apart and fall to pieces and get all in your emotions and get all up in your feelings, that's what, uh, that's what the people say these days. They get, they, people get in their feelings. That's what people say all the time. What if you didn't have to get in your feelings? What if instead of that, you could remain in rest and make tough decisions from a place of peace and from a place of rest? What if every time you prayed, you weren't panicking? It, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell it myself a little bit this morning. I get irritated when people pray panicky. It irritates me all the time in here, all the time. I'll hear somebody and they're praying because they're, they're just like, I don't know what else to do. And I'm not mad at you for praying. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm telling on myself this morning. I'm not mad at you for praying. But what if your life could be so rooted in the word of God that when it came time to pray, when it came time to be in a, in a challenging situation, you were more like Jesus in the boat instead of the disciples in the boat? Master, master, care ye not that we perish. Jesus, Jesus, don't you care? We're going to die. And he gets up and he rebukes him and he says, oh, you have little faith. What if, what if you and I could, be, could function from a place of rest? How do we do that? We get acquainted with his word because in his word is life. And that life becomes revelation to us. It becomes the light of men. We literally can see everything we need to see when we've become accustomed to his word. Now, watch what it keeps going on to say. That was a little bit of a uh, uh, context there. Let us be diligent to enter into this rest, lest we fall according to the same example of disobedience. Don't want to be like the children of Israel. God's got something better for us. For the word of God, verse 12, for the word of God is living. Thank you, Timothy O'Loughlin. For the word of God is living. It's alive. It's not dead. It's not dull. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God can be trusted, okay? I, wa I, want, I wanted you to see John chapter one so you could understand the nature of God's word. It's where his life resides and it's where light comes from. It's where wisdom and insight and revelation comes from. But beyond that, I want you to see that the word of God never goes out of fashion, that the word of God, what's it saying? It's living and it's powerful. Let's start with that, for that word living for just a second. The word of God is living. That means it wasn't alive then and is dead now. A lot of people, uh, particularly in secular society, refer to the word as uh, ancient text. Which it is, it's old, but it's not dead. Amen. It's, it's thousands of years old. It was written over 1,500 years. Uh, the span of from when it started to be written from when it was finished written was like 1,500 years. So the word is old, but it's not dead. It's not 
irrelevant. I was having a conversation one time with, with a guy, and he was a youth pastor in another state, and, and he was talking to me about all the things that he was trying to do for his youth group to be relevant. That was a word, by the way, in the mid-2000s that was a big deal in church, relevant. Particularly amongst young, young ministry and young people and youth ministry, etc. Well, we just, pastor, we just got to be relevant. You want to be relevant? Preach the word. The word of God is relevant all the time. The word of God is relevant to every generation. And, and actually, I, I shared this scripture with that guy on the phone that day. And I said, here's the deal, bro. We don't have to try to be relevant. We just have to serve the word up to people and let the word do what only the word can do, which is to be sharp. The word of God doesn't get dull. It doesn't. Do you understand that the potency of this Bible is the same exact potency now as it was when Paul wrote some of these verses? When Peter and James and John wrote these words down, when Moses wrote the first five books of the law, when David wrote the Psalms, when Solomon wrote the Proverbs, when each of the prophets sat to write. I mean, the word that was as burning fire then is just as burning and it's just as hot and it's just as sharp and it's just as living and it's just as real now. Doesn't change. So the word of God will fit your situation. The word of God will, will, will intervene in your situation. Why? Because it's living and it's powerful. The word powerful is the word dunamis. Dunamis, dunamis. Depends on how you prefer to pronounce it. The word dunamis is, is the word which means explosive power. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Why does it say two-edged sword? It's, a, it's interesting. A two-edged sword is a sword that cuts in two directions at the same time. In other words, what it's, what it's saying is that the word of God has ability. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it has the ability to go where it needs to go, and it's not hindered by which direction it's going. The word of God cuts in every direction, no matter where it goes. I mean, it's just so potent. And it says, it's living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And here's where it gets exciting. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. Wow. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. Have you, this, this is something that I've heard from people a lot through the years. Pastor, I wish that I could hear God's voice because when I have a thought that I think it might be God, I don't know if it's me or if it's God. Have you ever been there? How many of you have ever been praying over something or you're in a situation, you're like, I gotta make a decision. I need to know what the right thing to do is. And, and, and you have some ideas. You have some thoughts that come to you and you're like, was that thought me? Or was that the Holy Spirit speaking to me? Y'all be honest, you've been in that situation for all of us have, right? How do I know when it's God? The word of God is the thing that goes to the division 
of soul and spirit. In other words, I'm thinking, is this thought coming from my heart? Did God speak this thought to my spirit? Or is this thought coming from my head, my soul? The word of God has the capacity to get in between your soul and your spirit and tell you and discern the thoughts and the intents of your heart. Oh my gosh. That is a huge, huge thought. It's huge for all my New York people. I think there's only two of us in here. But anyways, it's okay. (laughs) Oh, God. That is, guys, that is a very big thought. That is a very big reality. Let me illustrate it. Come here, Abigail. Come here, Brianne. I just use my family members as... Much less offensive. Okay. Okay, let's just imagine. Why don't you link up arms? Link up arms. There you go. Okay. Let's just imagine that we're that the three of us are gonna be spirit, soul, and body for just a second, okay? And uh, and and Brienne's gonna be spirit. She's gonna be the, the heart. And Abigail, you're gonna be the soul, which is the mind and the will and the emotions, and I'm gonna be the flesh. Okay, it's fitting. And so uh, we're, we're getting ready to make a decision. We've got to make, you know, we're, we're all one person here, and we've got to make a decision. And um, we don't know exactly what to do. The flesh is leaning in this direction. I want to do what feels good. The spirit is leaning in another direction. I want to fo- spirit wants to follow God. And the soul is caught in the middle. And so what happens is we go to God in prayer. We go, Lord, what do I do? How should I feel about this? I'm swirling with emotion. I'm swirling with ideas. I'm swirling with what to do. Uh, What school should I go to? Who should I marry? Uh, Which vehicle should I buy? Should I I rent or should I try to buy a house? Uh, Lord, I'm, I'm facing an issue in my marriage. How do I resolve this? I got all kinds of feelings going on. My flesh is going haywire. My spirit is trying to seek after God. And my soul is stuck in the middle. How do I know when I'm hearing things, whether it's coming from my flesh, whether it's coming from God speaking to my heart, or whether it's just my own thoughts, the word of God is living and powerful and sharp like a knife, and it goes to work right here where the soul and the spirit connect, and it is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And so you go to God in prayer and you have an idea of what you think is right. And then you say, Lord, speak to me out of your word. And the word of God goes right to the place where the confusion is. And it tells you exactly what to do. Oh, the word, God's voice always sides with his word. So you, if, if you can learn to train yourself in the moment of, of question, in the moment when you need the discernment the most, what is the word of God confirming to your heart? You see, the word is the only thing that can get down in between where the soul and the spirit are joined together. It is a discerner, thank you. It is a discerner of the thoughts Lord, is this a good thought? I don't know. Does it line up with the word? It's a discerner of the thoughts. And it's a discerner of the intentions of our heart. Lord, Lord, is this really from you? Is this what you want from me? What's my intention? Sometimes we don't even know what our own intentions are. 
Sometimes our emotions get so overwhelming to us. I want to speak to somebody in here this morning. Sometimes our our emotions get so intense that it's hard for us to discern what is us and what is God. That it's hard for us to discern what should I even be believing in this moment. Lord, is my heart even right? Is my are my intentions even right before you? There's such an easy way to find out. Go to his word. Go to his word. His word is living and it's powerful. In his word is life. And that life is the light that you need. That life is the wisdom and the revelation, the understanding that your heart needs. It's going to come out of here. I want to give you just close with a with a, a thought of practicality, if I may. Because sometimes Bible reading can feel like a chore. And you know what? Sometimes it is a chore. And it's okay. You have permission for your Bible reading to feel like a chore sometimes. But here's the thing. When you're reading your Bible, when you're carving out time to be with God, and you're reading the Word, and it feels like it's not going anywhere, I want to encourage you to make this commitment. Read until he speaks. Stay with it until he speaks. You see, that rhema word that we talked about last week is there. You just got to get to it. I've had times where I've read the Bible and I'm reading a passage that I've read a thousand times. And I feel like, I've read this a thousand times. I already know what this says. I could quote it. I already know where I'm going. You know, Psalm 23. (laughs) Psalm 91. John chapter 1. John chapter 3. Romans chapter 8. I don't know what what passages are sacred to you. Those Those are some of my favorites. I've read Romans 8 so many times. How could I possibly get something else out of this? And it feels like a chore. But that's where God has me this morning. So I'm just going to read Romans 8. And I'm reading it and I'm reading it and I'm reading it. And then all of a sudden, he speaks. I want to encourage you today to stay in the written word until a rhema comes out of it and jumps off the page and hits you in the heart. Because that is the moment of revelation. That is the moment where God is showing you exactly what he needs you to see. And so many times, guys, we just get in our feelings, we get into our head, we, get, we, we try all the other remedies. We go, we, we go back to being content people. Oh, man, if I, could just find a, if I could just find the right podcast to get me out of this funk. Come on, don't act like this is not you. I know it is because it's me too. Oh man, if I could just have the right combination of worship songs. Oh, what was that one Hillsong album that really got me that one time? If I could go back and find that song and listen to it again and, and maybe, you know, just stand on one foot and close my eye and just, you know, just, what, just whatever the combination is to, to get me to a moment where I feel God again. Maybe it's the latest book. Oh, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. No, it's finding 
his word within his word. Go to his word until he speaks. Because here's what I can promise you. When he speaks, when that moment happens, it will be so satisfying to your heart. It will be laden with all of the wisdom that you need. You will know exactly what to do. And here's the other cool thing that happens. Do you know what the Bible says in Romans 10, 17? It says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So, so, so here's what happens, guys. Are y'all with me? Can I have 30 more seconds? Here's what happens. You got a problem. You got an issue. You need to know what to do. And, and, and so you just commit. I'm going to go to God's word until I hear him speak out of his word. And you get into it and you start to read and meditate in his word. And all of a sudden, boom, that word that you need leaps off the page and it jumps into your heart. Only when it gets to your heart, it doesn't come alone. It comes with faith and it comes with hope and it comes with grace and it comes with peace. So once you hear from God, your faith becomes rock solid and you know exactly what to do and you got all the confidence you need to actually step out and do it. You're not trying to manufacture faith. Faith has come on its own because God has spoken to you from his word. This is how it works. Amen. This is how it works. Faith comes by hearing. Well, when does the hearing happen? When he speaks out of his word to you. When it becomes alive. I don't know about you, that's what I'm hungry for. That's what I need. Tell your neighbor, that's what you need. That's what you need. Amen. Come on, stand up to your feet. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. Our church exists to see people from all walks of life know Jesus, connect and grow, discover their purpose, and make a difference in this world. If you would like to connect with us further, or if you need prayer or assistance, please visit us at hopeboon.com, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.